Warning, the Catholic Man Show contains high levels of manliness. It's simple, really. You either want to grow in virtue and holiness, or you want to be a sissy whiny baby. If you choose to move forward, grab your whiskey glass, because the Catholic Man Show is starting right now. Welcome to the Catholic Man Show. We are on the Lord's team, the winning side. So raise your glass. I am Adam Minahan here sitting in beautiful Holbert, Oklahoma at Clear Creek Abbey uh, at the Catholic Man Show campout, 7th annual Catholic Man Show campout. All right. You guys could see You guys want to see? Hello. Yes. All right. There we go. There we do have people here. See? We do have people here. You can hear them. Uh, we also have a, a very special guest uh, uh, this afternoon. Uh, Brother Joseph, it's great to have you here. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you. Um, brother, so what is your role here at Clear Creek? Well, I am a uh, Benedictine lay brother, Catholic, and uh, I'm responsible for the, uh, the outside, pretty much, <clears throat> the farm, the ranch, and uh, cattle. Sheep, dogs, pickups, tractors. So if anything goes wrong, it's my fault. <laughs> so you're, yeah, you're. you're <laughs> I was, I was just thinking. Yeah, that kind of sounds like my. It's like my wife does all the inside stuff, and I do all the outside stuff. Yeah. Um. So, how many acres do you guys have? We don't have anything. Oh, okay. <clears throat> We're not. You know, possessors of this. We're responsible for about a thousand acres. Responsible for about a thousand acres here in Holbert, Oklahoma. Okay. Um, now, what is the difference? Oh, that really spiked there. Yeah, sorry. Um, what is the difference maybe between the the Benedict, like a cloistered abbey, versus uh, a non-cloistered abbey? Well, a non-cloistered abbey usually has a school. Um, Many of the Benedictines started in the United States, um, Cistercians, with uh, schools. They had, that's from the old country, and they maintain that tradition. And it's very heavy in a certain sense for a lot of these uh, priests would have to teach and have a full uh, choir schedule at the same time. Whereas uh, Dom Garanger, after the French Revolution, he said, well, look, we'll do the school later. We'll, once we've you know, mastered the uh, liturgy, and we get that done, then we'll see about that. So we haven't quite got that. I was going to say, have you? <laughs> Not quite. So, have you mastered you know, it yet? Beatific vision, yeah. things are a lot better, a lot easier. But uh, That's what I understand. That's what, that's what I understand. I, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've understood that so, to be the case. <laughs> the uh, contemplatives here, our, our, the Salem congregation is, a, um, is French, of course, and uh, we specialized in the liturgy, as it were. Paul VI told us to maintain the tradition of uh, Latin tradition, of Gregorian chant, especially. And so we do that. And uh-huh. um, mm-hmm. it's... It's, it's, it's a very beautiful... Yeah. Uh, you know, just a, such a beautiful form of prayer. Uh, 
Yeah, I just love being it's, here just to participate by myself. In it. It's just not the. It doesn't work. It's <laughs> not the same. Uh, no, but the, it's a very ancient tradition. It goes back to the time of the synagogue, actually. And uh, you have two choirs, and one's responding to the other, reciting the Psalms of, of uh, David. And uh, it's actually, you know, the, the Holy Ghost is commentating on, interpreting the scripture. It's what you've got these melodies that are very ancient and very, very beautiful, mm-hmm. you know. So uh, for people who've never heard of Clear Creek, you know, this is, you guys are a thriving abbey. Uh, I mean, I know a lot of religious orders these days are struggling with, you know, vocations and having men come and want yeah. to join. But you guys are doing, you guys don't have that problem. No, 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 quite almost the contrary. We just got through building a new um, residence building for 30 people and it's almost full, you know. So <laughs> and, it, and, if it, and if it held 50... It would be full too. It may be. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. yeah, yeah. Well, they're working on. It. They're just entered uh, another fellow yesterday. You know, for the choir. Oh, so, really? Yesterday? Yeah. So that's uh, amazing. So, what number is that now? Well, you've got quantity, and then you've got quality. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> so uh, you know, you can give numbers and things like that, but it's uh, you know, it's not quite the same thing. <clears throat> So the Lord, <laughs> Lord knows the quality side of it. But there's about, on paper, there's about 63, something like that. Well, praise God. You know. So I, I've i heard the, sto- like the story of the founding here out at Clear Creek, but I think it's just such a fascinating, fascinating story. And I've never got to hear it from someone like yourself who, you know, was, been, was there. Yeah. I'm still there. I'm still you, there. And you're still here. Yeah. So it, would you just tell us the story? Like Kansas University, what happened? Who are you and what are you doing here? Right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, John Senior, uh, fascinating uh, professor at, at University of Kansas, and he has um, went to Columbia University, got a double doctorate, but at the age of thirteen, he ran away from home, and he went off to Wyoming to become a cowboy. And finally, his parents tracked him down and <laughs> said, well, let's make a deal. You can come out in the summertime, but in the winter, you got to study. So he said, okay. So he worked this thing out. And he actually, uh, was greatly influenced by the, the cowboy life and outdoor life and uh, contact with reality and nature. Um, but then a little bit later on, he got into Buddhism and became a, no a, a very competent uh, expert in Buddhism. All right. And uh, you know, we saw this as a you know, the contemplative life. He's, when he became Catholic afterwards, he saw that this dimension was kind of missing in the American Catholic scene uh-huh. because uh, other professors, they, they, most of the monasteries had to have professors and had schools and are tied up with this. So um, he understood that the American Catholic Church really needed a contemplative monastery, contemplative life. So uh, his students, at, he's, they set up this... Um, Integrated Humanities Program in the University of Kansas, very providentially with uh, Frank Nellick and uh, Mr. Quinn, Dennis Quinn, and they had this two-year undergraduate program, study the classics, you know. So um, they didn't push anybody to become Catholic or anything like that, but, you know, students could see that this is, you know, these people weren't, you know, like every like the other student, other professors. So fi- finally... Um, a couple of them be- became Catholic, 
And they asked, uh, you know, the professors, well, what books can we read? So, well, look, you, you can learn Catholicism out of a book, I guess, you know, but you really need to live it. So they went to uh, Rome, and their Cardinal Myers sent them to a Fungambo, which was still, it was at the, after the council, was maintaining the tradition. And uh, they had some holy abbots there, Prabbe John Waugh. Yeah, so what is Fungambo? Fungambo is, is a... Um, well, they just celebrated in uh, 1091 was the, the founding of the, of the Abbey. You know, in so 1091? It's, so it's 900 years old, you know. Oh, so it's just broken in. Yeah, just, get, yeah, get, just get, getting, getting it stride. Right. So um, uh, it's a Romanesque type uh, architecture, stone church that's been rebuilt several times. And um, uh, 1948, it was refounded. It was available, and the Salem was overflowing with, uh, they had 130 monks at that time, and they needed wow. to found, you know, so they found this ancient, restored this ancient monastery. And so little by little, they, they got their property back, and the first abbot was a remarkable person. He'd been in the first war, and, you know, on the front lines, and things like this, and he was a man's man, you know, and this guy, you know, anyway, <laughs> he had some, he was, you know, wounded and things like this, and so uh, he knew what it was to fight for your country, you know. And uh, he saw that the real fight was spiritual. Hmm. And uh, so he understood that the Blessed Virgin was really the best source of, you know, of uh, what we're fighting about. Mm -hmm. So uh, he restored Fungambo, and the next abbot uh, came along, and Parabbe John Waugh, and he was a, really a saint and uh, a man of organization. And, and he helped a lot of uh, different uh, things in the church. So one day he had these two students from uh, Kansas knock on his door, and in Latin, of course, the conversation was in Latin, you know, and he replied in Latin. <laughs> so uh, they were given hospitality, and uh, they started a, a precedent there of every winter, you'd have a group of uh, students that would stay the winter from Christmas to Easter, and experience what real Catholicism, you know, normal Catholicism is, is all about. It's centered on the Eucharist, you know. Mm -hmm. So uh, seven times a day, we will praise thee, you know. So they get up in the morning early, you know, 10, 4.30 and something like that, and, and then go at it till, say, 8 o'clock, and you've got low masses, and then you've got the next... Uh, the Romans changed the guard every three hours. So every three hours, you've got uh, three psalms and throughout the day, and then at Vespers, it's the first star... Vesper is the first star coming out at night. They'd have evening That's prayer. That's what it is. Yeah. You know, you've heard of afternoon. Yeah. Well, noon is the, is the ninth hour. Uh-huh. So in English, we've got, we retain that afternoon, which is the ninth hour of, uh -huh. uh, of prayer, you know, so. Um, and then you've got Compline finished, you know, at the night. So the, this rotation, you've got the liturgical year that's, that's, that's grafted onto this. And so it's a, uh, it's the normal life, basically, of, of um, an extension of the life of, of Nazareth with Mary and Joseph, you know, around Jesus, you know. And so uh, in that uh, setup, whatever, um, observance, uh, you have two groups. One, or the, the monks, properly speaking, who have to be able to do the studies to become priests. And... Uh, Father Abbot is over that. And then you've had a development, the first development from that. Brother, I'm going to have to, let me jump in here because we got to take a break. Okay. Um, 
This is the Catholic Man Show with Adam Minahan, David Niles. We have Brother Joseph Marie here with us. Uh, we will be right back. Listen, I know this is going to be a tough sell for you guys, but humor me here. This October, hundreds of Catholic men gathered together from around the world at Estes Park, Colorado. Beautiful Estes Park, Colorado in October. It's going to be gorgeous for a five-day adventure dedicated to helping everybody build a better prayer life, forming up virtue and a life beyond Exodus 90, and having brotherly fellowship, getting to know one another, most likely over a pint. Join us, exodus90.com slash the summit. We're going to be there. Dave and I, we're going to be giving a talk. We're have a live Catholic Man Show episode there. Join us, exodus90.com slash summit. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles. All right, we trained we trained the guys here to actually make noise. We're out here at, at Clear Creek Abbey at our Catholic Man Show campout. We've had it's been beautiful weather, a little hot, but been good. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're here with joined with Brother Joseph Marie, uh, monk of Clear Creek, monk of God. Can you say that? Is that you can say that? Yeah, we'll say it. Yeah. Uh, so, brother, you were we're talking about the founding here at Clear Creek. Um, there was this humanities program at Kansas University. Some of the students decided, well, like I want to do, I want to like the full experience. I want like I want it all about the Catholic life. And then John Senior he says, all right, you need to go if you if you want if you want like the full draft, <laughs> if you want the strong stuff, you need to go to Funk Embo. Yeah, that's pretty much what he said. Okay, so when they were going, were you in that group? Yeah. So you're you're there. You're like your buddies with these other guys. Yeah. Did you know like we're going to go and become monks, or were you just going like? Well, it's called discernment. Yeah. You know. But did you know that was on the table? Did you know that was what you were discerning? You know, it well, was it. Duh. Okay, well, I didn't know if it was like, hey, this is going to be a really cool summer like experience, you know, and then. Well, it's like uh, it's it's a mystery, you know. I mean, look, I went to get our uh, uh, driver's license, truck driver's license in France, and these two doctors says, well, why? What are you doing here? You know, this is France. You know, why, aren't there any monasteries in America? And I said, well, <clears throat> are you married? <laughs> you go okay got it <laughs> I don't know I mean, the Lord leads you to this Our Lady's Monastery and you go well I guess this is what I'm supposed to do you know so uh, personally I, I made a uh, I really wanted to make sure that this wasn't I wasn't going to waste my life you know and so um, after this period of discernment and uh, I talked with the abbot and uh, so I said well they said go to Lourdes Lourdes is where Our Lady appeared in, in southern France, and uh, she has this presence that's there. And all the priests that uh, confess there, they tell you well, there's something special. So, because um, priests will go there for the summertime to help out with all the tourists and things like that. So, um, I said, what I'll do is I'll start. In, so, I went from cent- central France and I spent two weeks walking to Lourdes. 
in France, uh, you figure out this is a big place. You know, you can go through you know seventy miles an hour on a freeway, but this is a big place. So um, I got there and uh, to Lourdes, and it really is special. But it's it's like Fungambo. You have this sensation of being at home. Mm-hmm. Same thing at Fatima. You go, this is like Fungambo. This is like Fungambo. Anyway, so I go to confession. And I did this and I did that. And he says, okay. Now, at the end, he says, okay, that's great. Now, what are you going to do? Well, I was kind of thinking of becoming a lay brother at Fungambo. Great, do it. <gasps> okay. Now, now I have to. Yeah. He told me. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is, this is, yeah. So you want, you asked the question, you got the answer. So uh, at Fungambo, they've maintained this, the tradition of, of two groups. One is the monks, properly speaking. The, the, you have to be able to do studies to become priests, and and, and uh, they don't have much time to do manual labor to do the work, you know. Mm-hmm. So they've got a farm too. So um, then they've got another group, which is called the lay brothers, which makes up about traditionally or habitually about a third of the group okay. of, of the brothers. So and they're a mixed group. I mean, you've got people who are jet engineers. You know, you've got people that are professors and and uh, or school teachers. And you've got people that can barely write. And, you know, we're there to help, to service. So the motto of the Benedictines is ora labora. And you could translate that as, well, you know, prayer and work. But it could be more work, more prayer and, and service. It's the idea. So if you're not out there, you know, with the, in the garden, you know, but you're helping out different things, it's, it's, you're there as a service to the community. And that allows the choir monks to do the full office, you know, do the studies. They do the studies in-house, so we don't have to go out and go, you know, except for the higher degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, So you're your own seminary? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a great privilege. And it's, a, uh, except for one or two, who, who, you know, because the canon law asks that you have some doctorates in the community, you know. Okay. So we have one father just got back from Rome. He just got his doctorate in Rome. And... Um, so, you know, we've, it's not just, it's really serious. The studies are serious. Sure. You know, but... Um, so as a lay brother, which hours do you keep? Well, we don't... I don't know if that's the right way to ask it. You yeah. Know, like, yeah. Well, it's it's uh, all the little hours. The matins, and as uh, you really have to have studies to be able to keep up with the matins. That, that's a culture thing. So our matins are reduced. We only have two or three psalms, and we just read for about 15 minutes. And so it's about 20 minutes long, whereas the choir monk, it's, it's about an hour and a half, something like that. Okay. And we don't go to, habitually don't go to conventional mass at, at 10 o'clock. Okay. Except for Sundays and feast days. And you're at low mass every morning. Every morning, yeah. 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 So that's really the center of your life. You know, it's just that sacrifice that you're joining with, you mm-hmm. know. And, and uh, yeah. So anyway, after about two weeks at Fungambo, you know, going to high mass every day. I said, this is great, but you got something I can do, <laughs> you know? So, uh, uh, yeah, well, we've got a farm out here. So, oh, this is just right. You know, this uh-huh. is the Goldilocks, you know, so, uh, so I, that's what I did. And so I developed that and, and I worked on the farm and, and, uh, so I worked at Fungabo, that dairy. And then at Rondol, they had, a up in the mountains there, they had a sheep, uh-huh. Uh, and then at Gricciano in Italy, they had uh, olives and, and vineyards. So I've kind of got a, a good background for that, you know. And then, Growing up, did you have any experience yeah. with farm life? Yeah. Uh, 
I grew up in Oregon, and uh, on in the summer I could work on the family farm, mm-hmm. and uh, that's pretty much uh, they had you know wheat and cows and sheep and so pretty much kind of the same basic idea. You, know, you can see how this could could do it. You can just do the same thing here at Clear Creek. We're up in the in the mountains, and we're at, uh, right here. We're at seven hundred feet, and up in the top of the hills there, it's nine hundred and twenty. So it's it's uh, right on the edge of the Ozarks, and so we can we can do that here. Uh, we don't have to be constrained to do uh, corn and soybeans or anything like that, you know, which we couldn't do anyway. So so, what brought you from Oregon? What made you go from you lived you grew up in Oregon, and then you decided to come to Kansas to study for the, at the humanities program? I'm assuming, right? Yeah, yeah. So was it, it for that program? Was that for specifically? That? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what drew you in. Yeah. I met someone who had been to Fungambo, and he talked to me about it, and I go, oh, okay. Just, just by intuition, you understand that's what you're supposed to do. I mean, uh-huh. So you're there in Fungambo. How, how, how many of you, what was your group like? There, was, there were four of us. Okay. And, and three of us entered. So you have Father Shapiro, who was a Jewish background, and um, he's here at the sacristy, and you have Father Bales, who's here. And uh, there were about five of us from Pearson College finally entered and stayed. And so the group that came back uh, from France, there was about uh, nine, ten Americans, or English-speaking, mm-hmm. and, uh, and two or three French. When you were there, and we're going to have to take a break here in just a minute, but you're in, you know, just becoming a monk, you know, just discerning your vocation. Was it ever in your mind then that like, oh no, someday I'm, I want to go back to America and establish, was, was that the abbot of Funkumbo's idea? How did that idea come to be? Well, we, we knew that the abbot, uh, John Wall, had thought about this, you know, and he gave uh, instructions before he died to the following abbot, uh, this is what you need to look for when you, you found, you know, in America. Mm-hmm. So we knew the idea was in the works, but we had no guarantee. Mm. Okay. They, and they said, look, this might happen someday, but we're not, you know, if you're entering, you're entering to become, yeah. stay, stay here, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's right. part of the vow. You make a vow of stability. Yes, I was going to ask you about that. What is that? Well, it's roots. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know, you're not going to go out to uh, do pilgrimages all, all, all the time. Well, I think I'd like to go to see this or that, you know. Uh-huh. You've got to be there. Somebody's got to be there to keep the, the office going. I mean... Somebody's got to milk the cows, you know. So it's a vow not to, just, to leave? Yeah. It's interesting. And that's not... Is that common among other but, orders? Well, I don't know about the other orders, but it's... it's it just... It, I think it's very beautiful. It's like... It's like, well, why do you join? If You know, like, if you were going to leave, why did you join in the first place? Uh well, it depends on their charism, I guess, but it right? depends. Yeah, I guess it depends on the lifestyle and the charism of the. Well, I mean, the, the Franciscans, the Franciscans are moving around all, right. all over the place that's all true. the time, yeah. you know. So, and, and Dominicans might be. Yeah, that's their going job. Around. Yeah, their job to go around and preach, you know. But Benedictines are kind of stay home people, you know. <laughs> stay home people, more introverted. Well, you know, 
it's, it's yeah, the Eucharist is there. You know, that's that's the center of everything. What are you looking you know? for? Yeah, <laughs> this is this is what I love about you know John Senior when in, in some of his writings he, he when he's talking about the restoration of Christian culture. You know, he says, well, what is what is Christian culture? Well, it's essentially the mass. This is what it is, and he says all architecture, poetry, all uh, all arts, when properly ordered, support and and build the foundation for the mass. Hmm. Um, so we're we're running up on a break, but when I, when we get back, what I, I'd like to ask you just kind of what your thoughts are on John Senior, like what what was he like, what was the man like. Um, and, and talk a little bit about that and then we'll get into okay we're back here in America and we're, we're, okay. we're starting Clear Creek so uh, you're listening to the Catholic Man Show uh, here at the 7th annual Catholic Man Show camp out we'll be right back Dave and Pamela, Haley and I, Jim and Kathy, and Father Patrick Briscoe, Dominican Friar from the Dominican House of Studies, editor of Our Sunday Visitor. We're going to the Holy Land, and we want you to come with us. April 3rd through the 13th, 2024, we're going to be walking in the footsteps of our Lord and His Apostles. We're going to celebrate daily Mass and sample some of the best local cuisine and wine. It's going to be a fantastic trip full of prayer, fellowship, mirth, and it's selling out quick. We're taking less than one bus, so it's, it's intimate. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a trip of a lifetime. We want you to come with us. All you have to do is go to Select International Tour dot com slash catholic command show sign up today it's selling out very quickly but we want you to join us select international tours dot com slash the catholic command show welcome back to the catholic man show we're here on the seventh annual catholic man show camp out here in hobart oklahoma clear creek abbey with father uh, brother uh, Joseph Marie, and we're talking about the the founding of, of Clear Creek. We're talking about John Senior. And before the break, brother, I was asking you, uh, you know, John Senior had this unique, or uh, it's not unique, but like what he was really trying to promote is like if you're really wanting to experience the Catholic culture, you needed to like realism is 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 an important part, and how all everything else is ordered towards and support of the Eucharist and support of the Mass. And so I just wanted to like kind of ask like uh, since you spent a lot of time with him, um, what your thought like what was the man like? What, what was maybe something that uh, really stick, stuck out to you as a story about him, um, something like that. Well, it was very unusual that um, when I got to Kansas, uh, I was living with some people outside of town, and uh, they were giving a ride to Doctor Senior to come come into school. So eventually, I got to be a chauffeur for about a year, and so we had these private conversations where I could hear these private conversations between different people, and it was just—it was just wonderful, you know. This very—he was just who he was. It wasn't anything that he did uh, different when he was teaching. He just was a teacher, you know, <laughs> just yeah. he himself. And uh, I don't know. It's—it's—he's very—he could be very calm and very ordinary, you know. Uh, one time his son uh, asked him about this, and Dostoevsky is reading this, and on senior goes, oh, God, it's been 20 years since I've, since I've read that. And he just gave the whole plot right there, you know, just went right off the top of his head, you know. <laughs> He's really a genius for some of these things. He had intuitions that were just extraordinary. 
and a lot of the times he uh, was talking about his what became his books, you know. So it's kind of hard for me to read his books because it was, goes, brings back to those good conversations we had. But uh, he, brother, do you know what his reading life was like? You know, because one of the things he's known for is his list, list of a thousand good books. Uh, and it's like I don't think I'll uh, when I die. I probably will not have read a thousand books. I, I don't know, like, how did he, I don't know how you do that. Well, I say, he's, he's a genius, you know, I mean, but he'd also, you know, he'd, he um, had a double doctorate, you know, mm. French, Latin, and uh, English from uh, Columbia. He was under, studied under um, Mark Van Dorn, who is really interesting because, at, um, Thomas Merton was had almost the same professors just a few years later. So, uh, you know, here Senior is a Buddhist. He ends up being a Roman Catholic. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Merton starts off as a Roman Catholic. And uh, okay, I'm not Buddhist. quite sure <laughs> what happened, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> but they had the same professors, you know. So it's kind of interesting, that compa- huh, comparison. That, that, is, that is interesting. You know. But, um, he, for example, he took a sabbatical one year and... Uh, he just read all the great books, apparently. I don't know. He went through uh, Aristotle and he read all this stuff again. Uh-huh. And you know, that's very difficult to do. You know, just mm-hmm. pick it up and on this fly and start reading Aristotle. You know, the, It is for me. The organ. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's the basic of, of Western civilization, you know, but uh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's for light reading. And then to be able to teach it. Well, that was a point right there. See, his principle was you have to bring it down to the level of whom you're teaching instead of just you know there's some of these great books places they, they, they'll, they'll start teaching and if you don't get it well you're in trouble that's it tough you know i just the way we're gonna it's the way it's gonna happen he said that's the first principle of, of teaching is you have to bring be able to bring your make a synthesis of what you're doing and bring it down to the person's level mm-hmm. so you can actually learn and so his big thing was you know you have to have a poetic background you have to have experience something you have to have ridden a horse you know, so you can get your feet on the ground or you know, feel on the back of a horse. You know, it's it's uh, able to walk and see and look and things, you know. And that's poetic knowledge. The difference between reading about riding a horse and actually riding a horse. Actually riding it, you know. That's poetic. Yeah, so uh, you say you can't teach kids unless they've got something in their imagination and their sense. You have to learn from your senses. Start with your senses, you know. So that's why manual labor is, is really important, you know. You have to put your get your feet on the ground, you know. So it's a, and so what happens is most kids just skip that, and they start, you know, immediately with uh, higher studies, mathematics. And so you know, when they get times they're forty and they found I'm missing something, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, well, you need to go out and play in the sand, you know. I mean, it's, yeah. So that's the kind of thing. Uh, very practical type person, and and the hidden secret maybe was Mrs. Senior. Nobody talks about her. Oh, mm. but she's the one that kept him alive. You know? <laughs> so he's sitting in the story as he's sitting in his living room. He's talking about uh, with three other professors. You know, they're about a, a, a program um, of Catholic history. You know, two thousand years, and it's nine o'clock. The door opens. And Mrs. Senior says, "John." It's time. Oh, excuse me, gentlemen. And they all look at each other. <laughs> but if he hadn't, she hadn't been there. She'd talk. He'd talk all night, and she would have, you know, wouldn't have made it. Uh-huh. 
you know. So, uh, no, he, she's a very practical person. She had a nursing degree, and, and uh, she cordially detested students. <laughs> cordially detested them. Yes. You know. But uh, they were she they were saying the rosary together when he died. You know, they just. Uh, he said, it's like, what's it like getting old and sick? And he says, well, it's like getting wet. The rain is just getting wetter and wetter. <laughs> you know? Hmm. But, uh, so, yeah, they had the, it was a the great couple that kept them, they kept together. And one day they were, you know, a young couple, they're in the restaurant Sunday morning and they see all the people going to church, you know? And she turns to John and says, John, why don't we go to church? <clears throat> well, uh, <laughs> you know, so there's uh, a lot of little stories like that. Women tend to be uh, holier than men in, in general, anyway. So, like, I, in my own in my own personal life, yeah. I've found that to be the case. Yeah, <laughs> around around my house, it's definitely That's true. That's definitely the case for me as well. My, the poetic knowledge of that is very yes. strong in my house. <laughs> um, so, okay, so you. Let's talk about maybe the fact, like, what made you come over here? Like, why Holbert? Why, like, like, what was your thought process or yeah. the thought process of, of starting here and the process of doing so? Well, like I said, Père Antoine Forgeau, the actual founder, French abbot of Fongambo, uh, he received instructions from Père John. He died in, in uh, 77 in Rome, a heart attack at the age of 56. Mm. And um, so he had these ideas. The first thing he said for is, look for a bishop. And we go, well, that's strange. Why would you, you know? There's a lot of bishops around. You know? Yeah. So uh, later on, we found out that some of these bishops that were offering properties and whatnot had, were getting in trouble. And so we realized what the, the abbot had been kind of prophetic in, oh. in that. So uh, Bishop Slattery uh, met Father Abbot at an ordination of a Tulson in the Carthusian Monastery in France. He was over there to do that. And so Bishop Slattery says, well, come on to, come on to, to, to Tulsa. We'll, you know, we, we'll be, you'll be welcome. So Abbot looked at him and says, okay. So he'd already been, he'd already made two trips. And what he was looking for was a monastery that was already uh, built. Something was already there. But then you have all these things about asbestos and you have to redesign all the monasteries and all this kind of stuff. It always came with the strings attached. I'm surprised that would be an option, like looking for a... It's not like you can get on, like call your realtor and say like... I'm looking like for to, a monastery. like to go see the monasteries for sale. Well, apparently it is. I mean, okay. unfortunately... Yeah, I've never done it, so... <laughs> I mean, uh, there's a lot of, you know, the Catholic Church has been through some hard times lately. Sure. You know, so <laughs> so uh, uh, anyway, so he came to Tulsa, and we had some friends of ours that were, uh, you know, former members of Pearson College, and they were now professional people. Uh, Judge Ravis, for example, and Mark Kane, and uh, Mark Costello. So uh, they, uh, in the Torzinskis, Robert Torzinski was the monk that had been uh, ordained in, in France for the Carthusians. And uh, so Mrs. Torzinski was had a real estate lady friend, you know. So they went up to Locust Grove and they were looking at a dairy farm. And then this lady says, I think I heard maybe that there might be a place available just a little bit south of here. So they showed up here. 
at uh, the uh, Clear Creek. And uh, it was uh, owned by a lawyer family, lawyers. And it was just getting too much for them. So they found that the boys, uh, they had seven sons, and uh, that they were only interested in hunting. So we said, fine, you guys want to hunt, you know. So, um, but it was a question of finances. So Ravis and, uh, and Costello, or King, which one, they had a long dinner with uh, the owners. And uh, so Father I was getting on the plane, and, and they said, here's a price, you know. And Father I looked at it and said, too much. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> So they went out and got these people out of bed. <laughs> and they talked with them. So finally, uh, yeah, we got off the plane and he was handed a fax and he says, okay, that's, that'll work. Uh-huh. So he had a property, he had a bishop and uh, he had some friends that were helping to set this thing up, you know, so it looked like a, 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 we could do it, you know. So had had he raised money already for the project or? No, that's one of the things that... Uh, Bishop Slatter says, well, you're welcome, but we're not able to finance the right. help, help you out. You right. know? So I don't know exactly how that happened. Fungumbo had to put up a certain amount. Mm-hmm. And um, no, no, I'm not privy, sure. privy, yeah. privy to that. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. What was it about this land that was attractive to, to Father Abbott? Was it like, did it remind him at all of Fungumbo? Or like, like what was, like, or was it just... Uh... This is a good question, but let's save it for after the break. Okay. Because we got to take a break. Right. We're here. This Catholic Man Show. We're at the at the camp out with Brother Joseph Marie, Brother the Lord's team, the winning side. We'll be right back. Since the earliest centuries, Catholics have been called to sanctify the home by making it a little church. Family meals, shared gathering spaces, and the most mundane tasks. All of these are to be taken up into the higher dimension and bathed in prayer. But in the modern world, it is easy to lose sight of this fact and shape our homes around the latest consumer trends. In Living Beyond Sunday, the Niles and Minahan families take the mystery and guesswork out of the domestic church, showing you how to sanctify your home simply, wisely, and practically. Every Catholic family should own a copy of this book. That endorsement is from Sam Guzman, the Catholic gentleman. Go check out our new book that we have out by Ascension Press, ascensionpress.com, Living Beyond Sunday, Making Your Home a Holy Place. And welcome back to the Catholic Man Show Campout. We're having a great time. Welcome back to the show. We're at the Campout. You guys should be here with us. Uh, we're talking with Brother Joseph. Um, Adam, you had a good question, but we had to. Oh yeah. So I was back. just asking, like, what about this land made him say yes? Like, what was it that attracted him? Was it that it reminded him of Fogumbo? Was it like what was it that he felt like this is this is what the Lord is calling us to do? Well, it's it's a lot different than France because I mean you you know in ten minutes you can be near a, a big city in France just about any place you know, mm. um, but there are areas in France where where really you can walk for a couple of days you won't see anybody, but here uh, it has no resemblance to. It's one of those things where you know in prayer you understand this is what the Lord wants. Mm-hmm. Basically, that's what it comes down to. And he was he's very close to, to, to our Lord and Our Lady, you know. So, uh, finally, I'd, I'd have to say that. Um, it's obviously very beautiful. This is an ancient place. Um, just around Holbert, there's a, some, they say that there's a city that's now underwater, under the lake. 
but it was one of the biggest uh, cities before west of the Mississippi, before Columbus, you know. And so there was people here for thousands of years, you know. So right where we're at, this used to be probably uh, an Indian resort because the, there was spring water. It was cool, you know. And um, so you find all kinds of little arrowheads and scrapers yeah. and things like this. You see them, you know. So uh, I don't know why Father Abbott, but there was another thing. There was, there was another place. It was even nicer down towards Poto, but um, it's just too far from the airport. There's constantly people coming in from the airport. You have to go to the airport to pick up guests. People are flying in from France, and, and uh, uh -huh. you know, so that's mm. part of it too. Just we're just an hour from the airport here. So, so, how long did it take? You get it. You got the property. What was? How long did it take to actually come here to where like this is where you are now? What What was that like? Your you know the what was life like in the beginning here? Well. First of all, uh, the monks, uh, the American monks, were, were scattered in three or four different monasteries. So we came back to Fongambo and we lived together for three months to, to kind of remember who we were, you know, Americans. Mm -hmm. We had to learn how to speak English again. After 23 years, you know. That's how long you were in, in France? Yes. Mm -hmm. All right. So... Um, Is your French still good? Bah, ça dépend. <laughs> that depends. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ever say that you know how to speak French perfectly. I mean, <laughs> you can be make yourself understood. Let's put it that way. Uh -huh. But uh, French is a wonderful language, especially if you hear diplomatic French. Uh, it's just absolutely delicious to listen to, you know. But it's it's hard to master. But um, so we got together, and Father Abbott sent us over, uh, you know, by plane. We came through Dallas, and um, so we showed up here and went to work, you know. First of all, you got to get the water, the pump to run, you know, so uh -huh. things like this. So we had to go down, do dishes. You have to go down and get water out of the creek, you know, and heat it. Um, was it like camping? Yeah, very much so. Uh -huh. So the the buildings was supposed to be have been finished, you know, the the, the chapel, and the guy had wasn't quite finished, you know, and so we had to finish that. So it, it turns out that the the cells were the, actually the former uh, horse stalls. We you know, closed in. So you're at, you know, in the middle of the night, you hear this scratching at the door, and you look out, and there's this mule looking at you. <laughs> and they went, that's our place. Why you're are you to be in there. my bed? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> somebody's sleeping in my bed. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So when you, on the property, when you bought it, there was already a, like a lodge. Yeah. And then there was... Some, obviously some stalls and barns. And a, a beautiful, big, uh, still there, it's a, it serves as a guest house, uh, the big ranch house, big, with logs, you know, brought in from Montana, and um, a guest house, log house. Mm -hmm. And then, so we had this uh, chapel, and we built, we put in some metal buildings and whatnot, so we got through there. We stayed down there seven years, and um, little by little, we started building, first built the bridge, the stone bridge, and that was Father de Fado was a really remarkable um, French naval officer, became monk, and uh, he masterminded that. But the problem was he was doing all this in, in foreign language, teaching theology, doing economics, uh, assistant architect, uh, running a sawmill. He just literally killed himself for work. You know, so he died in 2009, brain tumor. But um, I think he went... We had to have somebody had some send somebody to the main office. So. <laughs> <laughs> the main office headquarters. That's headquarters. what we did. Is yeah. he is he buried here? Yes. 
Right okay, in, so he's the one. Yeah, right in back of the church there. Yeah, right in back. Right. He's the one who's made it. So far, he graduated before everybody else. Yeah, yeah. he's ahead of his head of his class, I guess. Those, Again. those graduations typically have the letters before the name. Right. <laughs> uh, so, so now you have the grip and things like that, but like, how was it like trying to build out uh, the main church? Like, what the thought process? Like, there had to be a lot of foresight. Uh, of like what you're planning on doing to to be able to do like because if you come here now th- the church is still not finished but you're, you're building it for it to last a thousand years um, and so uh, as you continue going uh, you're you're learn you're trying to learn a lot you're obviously learning a lot but how how was it like planning all this out? Well, Fongambo he was founded in forty eight nineteen restored in nineteen forty eight and so in nineteen sixty eight twenty years later they were, made their first foundation of Rondol. Uh, in the Central Mountains, and the architecture is somewhat modern, uh, but the layout is traditional. So then they found it in Trior, which is near Lyon, and they had an awful time. It was an old um, chateau, which was laid out, uh, it adapted well with the monastic uh, layout, and um, but they couldn't find an architect for the church that would accept to do a, a, a traditional church. You know, it looks like a traditional monastic church. And so Father Abbott was very much aware of this problem, you know. So we happened to find uh, Mr. G- uh, Smith, Gordon Smith, and uh, from Notre Dame. He was head of the architectural school at Notre Dame. Hmm. So we had a long conversation with him, and uh, he accepted to go into that. So he went to France and studied the you know, standing monasteries in the south of France. And there's three of them. You call them the sisters uh, down in southern France, the Cistercians. So it's very simple. I mean, there's not a lot of ornate stuff and very fancy or sculpture or anything like this. Very simple brick. And uh, so he pretty much adapted that here, the plan. So he laid the whole thing out, you know. So um, there's all kinds of, I mean, I mean, we've been at this what, for 1,500 years or something like that. So you know that if you put the church, church has got to go north-south, you know, or east-west. We've got to be facing the east. If you put the buildings this way, there's going to be enough sunlight, so you don't need to uh, have lights or lamps, you know, for for eating at the, in the winter, you know, things like this. So you put the infirmary over there, you know, this is pretty much a classical layout. So you don't have to reinvent the wheel. That's a big point. And Father Abbott uh, was prior at Trior, so he helped found that monastery. So he already knew all this stuff. So. Some of the young monks are surprised, and it's kind of amazing. When you ask Father Abbott a question, he just gives it right there, because he's already had this experience. He doesn't have to to worry about causing a precedent, you know, when he yeah. makes a decision. So what is the, would you kind of describe the, the vision, at least for the monastery itself? Because right now you have the church, which is, it's there. You want to do other things to it, and you're, build, you're in the process of building another building. Yeah, we just right. finished the second building. Which is pretty much a dormitory. It's got a chap. It's got a um, chapter room in it. So every morning, they call it chapter because they read a chapter of the rule in that. And that's where Father Abbott gives his conferences. The brothers have their matins, and um, so that's you know a four-story building. It's cost. It's going to take us a while. We don't have much debt. So that's what's important. You know. That's good. And but the church itself is is a uh, it needs to have the um, completed the height of the church the vaults of the of the church itself proper. So we've got a temporary roof on that, and the vaults you think well that's just you know superfluous, but actually that's what carries the chant. 
you're able to, to, to carry, it's like dancing, you, you're being carried by the music, you know, in the Gregorian chant, you can do that for long hours. Um, but the vaults help, help enormously for, the, for that. Sure. The resonance, you know, um, acoustics. And so, so these buildings are laid out in a square. Yes. Which is the traditional... Yeah, the cloister, yeah. The, okay, yeah, that's so that, the courtyard in the middle... It's a cloister. That's, that's what we call it, yeah. Called the cloister, right? And you've got a walkway around that, you know, so... Joins the whole thing. Do you know when you'll be... Any idea when it'll be done? God well, willing. Father Abbas said 50 years, you know, we've only got 25. We've only got 23 done, so... Uh-huh. <laughs> but you never know. Like, Salem has never been finished. It's because every time they get enough money together, they start a foundation, so... That, that, for the grandkids, you know, so... Right. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, it's and then they need a refectory too, because we're in a, a temporary refectory right there too. Uh-huh. So it kind of makes a big difference, kind of one on top of each other. So we've only got a couple of minutes left. I want to go in a different direction. You, because you, you manage a lot of stuff, and all these animals, crops, like all the stuff. What's the hardest of all the stuff that you guys do out here? The hardest. What thing? is the hardest? Border collie. You have a you have a good. She's a good dog, right? Yeah, it's a great dog, but it's. <clears throat> I hope there's no dogs in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> anyway, that's another subject of. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's. Um, we have a really good herd of of cattle. Uh, the hardest thing is getting through drought. I would say that's that's really hard. 2012, we had to ship the cows up to Wyoming because we didn't have any grass, you know. That's that's ironic. And they never came back. You're yeah. shipping them to Wyoming. Yeah. Because we don't have any grass. I mean, yeah. Wyoming doesn't exactly have a lot of grass either. Well, at that time they did. They, they, <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we were able to start a, a herd of cattle called the South Pole, P-O-L-L yeah. breed. And that's been very successful. I mean, it's a good, good finish on grass yeah. breed. Yeah, solid uh, animals. Okay, well, we are out of time, Father. Thank you so much for being here with us. Uh, we're here at the camp out. This has been, we're having a great time. This is the Catholic Man Show with Adam Inahan and David Niles. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. Cheers. Okay, do you guys have any questions? Yes, Glenn. Is the monastery going to start a foundation elsewhere? Well, uh, normally when you get about 60 monks, the proportion of time for the superior is, uh, becomes really limited. So it's difficult to get access to your superior when you start to getting 80 and 90 monks, you know. Hmm. So it becomes a little institutionalized. Whereas now, at 60 monks, it's, it's optimal. You can see the abbot. But he has to start thinking about that, certainly. So there is a question of starting something in, in Gallup, New Mexico. So that's not... Because, um, yeah, I, I was under the impression that you definitely were doing so, but that's yeah. not been decided. Well, we don't, we don't have permission yet. Okay. Put it that way. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sure. Yes, sir. The, the the question was just for the people who are listening because they can't hear him probably. So the question was is that during high mass the monks 
uh, didn't don't get a chance to receive communion, is that because they receive it at a different time? Yeah, it's a low, at low mass. Each we've maintained the tradition that uh, each priest monk monk priest uh, can say his own private mass. We, we haven't pushed concelebration. So uh, um, each priest and each monk, uh, you know, brother that's serving mass or the students or whatnot, they receive communion at, at low mass. But it's daily or daily communication. Yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, is it true you only shower every other week? Is it true, is it true you <laughs> only shower, shower every, every, every other week? week? If it rains. If it rains. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's once a week. I, I think, unless you fall into something really, you know, sometimes the ticks will oblige you to go more often. So you take a shower once a week, whether you need it or not. Yes. Yeah. By charity. At a charity. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I have a question. Okay, I had a question. Okay, well, but go ahead. Let me. Go. I want to go first. Yeah, that's fine. I'll be first in heaven. Um, we'll see. <laughs> How much of your day-to-day, you know, like all the food you eat, how much of it comes here from the property? You already said that. I don't know. I mean, it's hard for me to tell you. I, mean, I can't tell you, but uh, quite a bit. We have our own garden. It's about two and a half acres. Okay. Because you mentioned it earlier, but I, for some reason, I thought you were talking about Funkembo. Yeah. But I don't know here. I can't here, tell you. Okay. I've never been told. But uh, all the meat comes from the farm, the ranch. And all the dairy, it's really dependent on the dairy for uh, its basis of our cooking. Uh-huh. And uh, it's uh, Jersey milk, it's it's easy to cook with, you know. Then we have uh, one of the fathers makes cheese, and we sell the cheese at the gatehouse. Yeah, it's delicious. Yeah. So sh- we shouldn't sell it. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep it. Yeah. <laughs> so the... Out, the outside world, looking at what, like what you guys do, the contemplative life, things of this nature, is just not only foreign, but it just it almost seems like counterintuitive, maybe of from the modern world. Um, because I think they might think it seems crazy. Yeah, crazy. I mean, because it's like, what what's the utilitarian purpose of doing this, right? So uh, this is the world that we live in, where everybody expects there to be an input and an output. Um, like what would you what would you say to just the the modern person who who looks at this and says like why like what are you why are you doing because earlier you said you asked or you said like I want to make sure I don't you know waste my life yeah but to to a, a modern man who maybe even not Catholic when they see this they see like it it could look to them like you're wa- you you yeah. are wasting they might your life. see like when you die what do you got to show for it you know <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have to have the faith that, uh, to live this life, you know. I mean, it's uh, it's everything is is centered on God. It's everything you do. We're doing all the work and all that kind of stuff. That makes no sense if it's not directed as uh, as this theological uh, motive. You know, um, I'm doing this out of obedience, out of love. So, you know, what good does it do? Christ asked the same question. What good does it do? You, you gain the whole world and you lose your soul, you know? So uh, the motto we talked about, or labora, but also the overall the doors and all the, everything is called the word pax. You see the word peace. And that's really the, uh, the atmosphere of uh, Benedictine life. It's, mm-hmm. 
living in peace. This which is not uh, it's, it's not armed conflict, you know, but uh, or not using arms of any kind, but it's it's a form of prayer to maintain that that tonus, you know, of of uh, simplicity and, and uh, of peace. Yeah. When was the last time that you had a chance to go like out outside of the monastery? Has it been recent at all? Like, do you get to go outside? And then, when, if you do, does it just seem loud and obnoxious because you're so used to here? Well, from the from farm, you have to do errands. You have to go get parts for the tractor, and you have to you know get yeah. dog dog food and stuff like that. You know, so about once a week or once at least once a month, I have to go, but. It's really interesting because it's people are very good. You meet some very wonderful people, um, you know. So that's what Mister Senior, for example, I asked him, "Why did you go to Kansas?" You know, it's <clears throat> you could have taught in any place in the world, you know, Harvard. He said, "Well, it's because uh, the weather is so lousy, it makes the people so nice." <laughs> <laughs> and that's a little bit like uh, that's what know, I think. They're just getting soft out there in California. But here it's it's weather's a, too good. It is a real challenge, you know. The summers in Oklahoma are a challenge. Yeah, especially in black. Well, I know you get to wear white sometimes, but yeah, sometimes <laughs> in, in in the house we wear white. When uh-huh. you go out, you still have to wear black. You know, so. Um, we, yeah. Question over here. And this prompts my question: is that going out to the world in locally to do your errands? But how much do the regular members of the monastery know about what's going on outside in quote the real world for we are all have have our phones and we all have this access to everything that's going on in this mix all around us all the time what what's your experience in the monastery so the, the question was basically how how informed do the monks stay about the outside world well, it's part of a privilege is we don't have to know about all that stuff. Yeah, you know? I think that would be really nice. <laughs> yeah. So, my father Abbott, on the beginning of recreation, he gives you the main headlines, uh, you know, what's of interest. So, that kind of keeps you up. And then, and, you know, we can, we have um, newspapers, Catholic newspapers for Sunday. We can kind of look stuff up for church news. Um, but it's like uh, the old story of, of St. Anthony and, and uh, the hermit St. Paul. So St. Paul, he hadn't been out for like 200 years or something. He'd been a hermit. And uh, so he asked uh, St. Anthony, are they still adoring the devil? Oh, yeah. Okay, nothing. You know. <laughs> so, nothing changed. <laughs> so. How many acres are on the property? Well, an archaeologist came. He did find some soil. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, there's on paper there's about uh, 1,025, but because of the rolling hills, I think there's a lot more. Um, it's it, there's 13 different soil types. So most of it is is um, uh, what they call chert. It's kind of a rocky soil, but uh, it's uh, traditionally it's been in, it was um, open savanna because the Indians kept it burnt. Because they knew that deer couldn't eat bark, you know. But um, since statehood, most words we have properties been divided up. <clears throat> the um, the oak trees have, and the hickory have come back, and that's because of the squirrels. 
<laughs> they went out there and went at it. So be safe, safe. But between here and Tulsa, you couldn't see any, you, hardly any trees except along the creeks. Now it's a huge forest, you know. So. Question. Do you participate in elections, local elections? Yeah, we kind of keep our the national levels. That's kind of easy. Um, state election, state level, but the local elections are, are uh, for school boards and things like that. We we kind of presume they know what they're doing. So, do you vote uh, like by mail? Yeah, no, yeah. we started doing that. Yeah, that's pretty. That's helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, without getting into the details, I'm just curious about the like the finances of the monastery. I mean, you guys, you do sell, you make things, you sell things. Um, you use a lot of your own. No. So the question was, are you able to fund operations here, just by your own activity? Economic activities. So yeah, and our, stuff. our form of poverty is like the Franciscans say, they, they uh, by, by uh, soliciting, I guess you call it, instead of begging. And, um, but the monasteries, we do what we can, and the Lord does the rest. Hmm. So uh, that's pretty much the idea. You do what you can, if you, you know, but uh, so, and the best money that you make is what you don't spend, you know. So we really uh, conscious of, of uh, poverty. Keep turns the lights off, you know, and stay like that. And um, you know, we do a lot of stuff ourselves. Repairing, brother does our own shoes, um, make our own habits, uh, things like that. We do our own cooking, medics, our, our own. Um, but for the big picture, financially, obviously, you know, selling cattle and sheep are not going to pay for monasteries. So there we're, we're dependent on benefactors. No. Okay, I think we got time for maybe one more question. Anybody else? Yes, sir. Yeah. So you do you you actually process the animals here? Yeah, but when we sell the public, we have to send it to a processor. Okay, yeah. You know. Then what was the other question you had about why did we go we choose Oh yeah, fucking bow. Oh yeah. Well, I don't know where he is, but yeah, out of all the monasteries that you could have picked from. Yeah, that's what this cardinal uh, Meyer he recommended Fungambo. The abbot of Fungambo at that time is is was a is like talking to. Uh, Teresa of Avila, who was just a remarkable person. And mm. uh, he met with Paul VI, and uh, Paul VI was really impressed with this. You know, she was, uh, luckily, or unfortunately, they both died about the same time, you know. But um, it's absolutely extraordinary. So, you know, the story is that the young monks, we meet young monks, they look like they're saints. They think they're saints, but they're not quite saints. You know, middle-aged monks, they don't look like they're saints. They don't think they're saints, and they're not. Get older monks. They don't look like they're saints. They don't think they're saints, but they're starting to become saints. So Fungabo, there's quite a group of, of uh, it was very impressive. There was, they really had some saintly people there, uh, for sure, absolutely. And among the brothers, too, you know, it was, uh, some of them have been there for quite some time, and, and 
they had this tradition, and it comes from a very Catholic background. French culture, Catholic culture is really impressive, you know. It's the elite of, uh, maybe, I don't know, I shouldn't say that. But, uh, the French are, the French are... French Catholics are is really wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And French, the French as a culture, they oscillate between, like, cranking yeah. out the best saints and then, like, chopping heads off. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they've never gotten over the French Revolution. Right. And just... Since the death of Louis the Sixteenth, It's just in their blood. Well, but, Yeah. Was Joseph Pieper involved at all in the story of no. of here? Okay, no, no. But um, I just really hoping choosing a, choosing a, a monastery like that. That this one abbot says, uh, uh, when uh, the Lord sends uh, sends gives you a, a vocation, He also gives you the address. Mm. <laughs> you know, so it's just a question of intuition, like that. Mm. Well, brother, thank you so much for sure. joining us. I just we, I appreciate hearing your story and the time to come record this today. So, God bless you. Well, thank you.